Father, thank you. Thank you for the way you've shown grace already this week and the people that are here, Lord. Um, I ask that, that what happens here honors you. Every word that is, is spoken, every point of encouragement, anyone who speaks on your behalf will do so out of purity and obedience. Uh, every song, and I ask that above all that you're glorified and that you are that you work deeply in the hearts of people, please. Teach us from your word, from a simple story about a man and the decisions that he made. Lord, we need you. And I beg you for wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the story. This is about a compromising king and a witchy woman. Uh, I'm not going to give you the text on the screen. I just want you to listen. Listen to the story. It's epic. Get, get the flow of what's happening and, and let your imagination kind of visualize this thing. You're, here's the quick backstory. Saul is the first king of Israel. And as the first king, the bar was set very high. If you're going to be a king and the first king of Israel, you've got to keep the rules. You've got to do what God said. And if you don't, there's going to be serious problems. You know the story. This is what happens. This is a turning point in all of Israel and certainly in the life of a man named Saul. So this is 1 Samuel 28.3. Now Samuel died, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him at Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and witches and wizards. Spiritists. So the Philistines gathered together and came and camped in Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by the Urim, which is like dice. Think of dice, stones that you would cast. Cast lots would think of that. So God, God was not talking to Saul anymore, not by dreams, not by the Urim, or not by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek for me a woman who is a witch, a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman who is a witch, at Endor. Then Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and went along with two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Conjure up for me, let's do a seance, conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? Saul vowed to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. 
When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he's wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and did homage to Samuel. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me, bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed, but the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has departed from me and no longer answers me, either through prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may make known to me what I should do. Samuel said, Why then do you ask of me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? The Lord has done accordingly as he spoke through me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to David. As you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fifth wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. And Samuel, excuse me, and Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground and was very afraid of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him. Wow. What a story. Okay. What do we learn from this? What do we, what do we draw from this? I want to I wanna call your attention to some observations, some things that I think we can focus on. Let me, let me skip to this part right here. All right. A compromising king and a witch woman. Pay attention. I've highlighted these things for you. In verse 3, Samuel was dead. <coughs> Quick comment. Samuel was Saul's main link to God. All right. This is a point in the Old Testament time when you, you had communion with God or you connected with God, and it was done usually through a priest. That's not to say you couldn't do it on your own, but you know Israel would go to God through Moses. Israel would go to God through a prophet. It was a common uh, reality of Israel. Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. This is based on Leviticus 19, Leviticus 20, Deuteronomy 18, Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8 uniquely says, why do you go to dead people to talk about matters of the living? Why would you do that? Why would you conjure up a dead spirit to try to gather information from a dead person about what the matters of the living? Why would you do that? Isaiah says, shouldn't you go to God? That's a great question. Who do we go to for answers? Where do we get our answers? Saul had removed from the land 
those who are mediums and spiritists. I want you to appreciate something, okay? Earlier in 1 Samuel 15, when Saul had become king, his first main job assignment was to deal with a particular people group that were considered morally and spiritually disgusting. Now let me help you know what all that means. Okay. We as Christians, I in particular, without embarrassment, without being ashamed or hesitant, without being tainted by political correctness, I want you to know this day, abortion is wrong. All right? I will not bend. I will not compromise. I will not justify that on any level. All right? It is wrong. This particular people group, they were involved not just in abortion. They were involved in processes where children were sacrificed to pagan gods. We're talking about bad, bad people, all right? And God gave an assignment to Samuel, uh, uh, through Samuel, to Saul, that as king of Israel, he's got to deal with this mess in his land. And guess what? He refused to do it. He refused to do a direct order that had everything to do with national security, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm saying this is national security for Israel. This is a serious moral matter, all right? And he chooses to be a man who is selfish and is, would rather do his will than God's will, and he blew a major assignment. And then after that, God knew that the kingdom was gonna shift to David. Saul, when he was found out, all right, by the prophet in that famous story, what's, what's this lowing of the sheep that I hear? You know, and, and Saul got ratted out. All of a sudden he decides, <clears throat> I've got to start keeping God's rules now. <clears throat> I've got to take my act. So guess what he does? He kicks out all the mediums, all the witches and all the warlocks, get kicked out of Israel. All of a sudden, it's time to obey the rules. And let's make sure we obey the fine print, right? Let's kick all the, the spiritists and mediums out, those who conjure up the dead, those who do seances. So all of a sudden now, it's about the rules, okay? But Saul has a root problem. He is a man of deep fear. And when he saw the Philistines who were lining up for battle, it says his heart trembled. What was David's attitude when he saw Goliath? How dare they? The opposite. The, and he was a boy. He was an adolescent. By our standards, an adolescent. David, when he saw Goliath, was easily 15, 16, 17 years of age. And at that time, we would call them teenagers. Okay? He was ready to face Goliath and says... Who, who does this guy think he is that he can defy the name of the God of Israel? And yet, look at the difference between David and Saul. Saul knows he's in big trouble. Have you ever had situations that, that back you into a corner and all of a sudden it's time to really seek God? All of a sudden you're motivated? <laughs> Maybe now I should... Turn my heart toward him. So Saul starts inquiring, and it says, the Lord doesn't answer him. He calls, and God doesn't answer. 
He doesn't answer by dreams or by the, 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 to the stones that were in a pouch on the ephod of the high priest. He doesn't answer by those, and he doesn't answer by a prophet. And the one prophet that he could turn to, Samuel, is now dead. And so the very rule that he installed, we're not allowed to have witches in the borders of Israel, is the very rule he breaks. And he asks, find a witch. I've got to get some kind of intel on what I'm going to do with these Philistines. And so they find this woman at Endor. And you remember the story. He's willing to disguise himself. Men who are in the bondage of fear are willing to be deceptive. They're willing to, to put on the front about who they really are. And then that, in that meeting with the witch at Endor, he finds out that he and his sons are going to be with Samuel the next day. There's a horrific battle. Saul and his sons are killed and die. Saul hears the words, falls full length on the ground, and was absolutely terrified and afraid. He was out of strength. Here's some scripture that I think applies to us today. The foolishness of man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. Have you ever seen that person? They do some of the dumbest stuff. The foolishness of man ruins his way. They do some dumb, dumb stuff and then who they get mad at? God. And they rage at God, you're not fair. You're not, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are making my life miserable? It's not fair. You know. Now that's one messed up dude in the head, okay? He's got it all mixed up in there. Look at Hebrews 12, another example. Pursue peace with all men and a sanctification without which no man, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. We're going to talk about grace in just a moment. Hold on. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. Bitterness is horrible cancer. It's relational cancer. That there may be no immoral or godless person like Esau or like Saul who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected because he found no place for repentance, though he sought it with tears. You know, there's some folks that make really, really unhealthy decisions and they feel so bad about it, they'll cry. They cry about it. They can cry about a lot of stuff, but no repentance, no changing of mind, no changing of ways, just crying about stuff, complaining and crying about the consequences about this maybe this terrible lot in life they've received, whatever, whatever it is, or the fact that they made a really bad, bad decision to sell an entire inheritance for a bowl of beans because you just were overwhelmed with hungry for that one moment. <laughs> How's that being short-sighted? So all of this engages something called the law of the harvest. Galatians says it this way, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man or a woman sows, this he or she will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Ouch. The law of the harvest. Right? 
What you sow is what you reap. It's called consequences. Right? A compromising king and a witchy woman. A story of a man enslaved to fear. Alright. What I want you to know Aren't you glad we don't live in the Old Testament? <laughs> I'm feeling bad already. This is horrible. I thought we were supposed to be encouraging when we come to church. We're not supposed to be to feel bad. What's the preacher doing? So let me let me encourage you, okay? I want you to have hope. You ready for this? There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. <coughs> I'm telling you, there is no sacred place on planet earth than being in the Lord Jesus Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of the harvest, the law of sin and death. Right? Beautiful. That we can literally walk in the love and grace of God. Uh, I want to read a couple more scriptures. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Can you imagine that, calling God a liar? That's pretty arrogant. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does, we have a defense attorney, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. The righteous. So, grace is a beautiful thing. And boy, do we need to live by grace. We do. But you know what? Even as Christians who live by grace, we can still make some pretty unhealthy decisions, can't we? All right. So, Saul <coughs> heard from God by dreams, by a prophet, and by the Urim, the little stones. You cast lots with it, would hang on the ephod of the priest. How do you hear from God? Do you hear from him? Do you hear? Do you hear his voice? John 10. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? Sometimes it's a still small voice. Maybe sometimes he yells to get our attention. Do you hear him? You ready? I'm going to make you profoundly responsible. You ready, Christ Church? You're the body of Christ. This story is in the Word of God. How in the world do you pull this story from the Old Testament? 3,000 years forward to where we are today so that it can help us be men and women, boys and girls, who don't make the same mistakes. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10.4, this is why we have the Old Testament stories, so that we wouldn't make the same mistakes that Israel made. That's why we've got the stories. How can this story make a man walk straight? Give wisdom. What are your thoughts about a compromising king and a witchy woman and how we as Christians can draw wisdom 
and healthy life application in Christ from this story. Francis? But it's good for a young man, Branson, to have a, a vision of what a, a godly man looks like, right? We need heroes, the real ones. Men and women worthy of imitation. So you're right. Yeah, exactly. What else? It seems like he was treating God the same way as he was in the media. He was just going to him for answers. He wasn't really humbling himself mm-hmm. and seeking God out, so God didn't answer him. Very insightful, Michelle. Some people use God like he's just one of many options. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Anna. Um, like along with that, like with what Michelle said, like we go to God for answers and sometimes we go to people who we see as godly. Like we see, mm-hmm. whether we like, we go to you or we go to our friend that we see as godly and we think, oh, well, just because they're godly, they're going to know all the answers and they're going to know and then you like, skip the step of listening and waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes, sir. So here we have a man, back story, you know, uh, Israel wanted a king. So they looked around and was like, this guy's tall, he's handsome, he's strong, this guy is king. Mm-hmm. Saul became king. But yet he ended up failing his kingdom. He didn't listen to the words of God. He didn't obeyed God's commandments, he did what was right in his own eyes. <laughs> he failed his kingdom, not only his kingdom, but he failed his family. Yes. I mean, his sons died. I mean, yes. his lineage was shut out through his sons. Well, he did have a grandson that David took care of. Right. right. But I mean, imagine in our society, in our lives right now, I mean, God has given, uh, for us to be Christians, God has given us this role as a husband shift it just for a bit. What if uh, we are a church full of people who uh, have grown up with failed adult male leadership in our lives? What if that were true? And you hear a story like this and you go like, whoa, that guy's a pretty hard-nosed kind of guy. Pretty tough. What do you do with that? One thing I think is really key to seeing this is that I don't see Saul truly repenting. You know, God is a God who, you know, is said even by David that you know, he is uh, just and faithful to forgive. 
forgive the sins of those who seek after him. Yes. Saul does not seek after him. He doesn't repent. He just simply, all right, well, if I can't go to you this way and gain the insight that I want, you know, my selfish response to win the battle, then I'll go a different route. He's not repenting at all. And I think that's a key aspect to see is that, you know, here's a man who's stubborn, arrogant, weak-willed, and non-repentant. And God's like, all right, I'm going to cut you out of the line of, you know, my soon-to-be my son is mm-hmm. going to inherit the earth. Whereas David is a man that we see constantly, even though he fails, he repents. Yes. He turns to God and says, God, I am truly going to seek after you, not just because, give a half-hearted attempt because I want something out of this. Yes, yes, Caleb, you you nailed it. Just like Esau, though he cried about the consequences, he found no place for repentance, though he sought it with tears. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Greek quiz, pop quiz, metanoia, repentance. What does it mean? Meta, change, noia, noose mind. Change the mind, change the ways. It's, it's not a complex word. Philip? Can I read first John 4? Sure. Um, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because we first loved us. Thank you. Let me read this to you. There is a, a place inside your heart where uh, you've got a little sign on the door that says uh, uh, God is not allowed or uh, dear God please keep out or something like that on this little room in your heart. Uh, I want to read this to you to teach you the grace of repentance. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, that you may be justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. In those little secret rooms that we have the sign that says, Do not disturb. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make known to me your wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And make me hear joy and gladness. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Christ Church, do you hear from God? And do you have a clean heart before God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son of the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. 
He who believes in him is not judged. Wow. How's that for the safe place? He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men and women love the darkness rather than the light. For the deeds were evil, and everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds, her deeds, will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been accomplished by God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you hear from God? If, if you're not, why? Why? Paul makes it clear in 1 Timothy that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching. Jesus said, if, if my words abide in you, ask what you will. Okay. The, word, the words of Christ have to be important to us. And is your heart clean? One person, someone else, if God's really pushing on you to, to speak wisdom to us, Daniel, yes, sir. Um, just kind of going to when you were referencing back to the, the grace that's mm-hmm. presented to us in the New Testament. Um, I always like getting perspective from the Old Testament because uh, to me it it makes it even bigger, the idea of the grace that God gives us. Just because yes. yes. of all the times that you see Israel fall short of what God wants. All the times God gets frustrated, mm-hmm. all the times mm-hmm. reading through the Chronicles and the Kings of this king fell short and this king fell short and mm-hmm. this one fell short, constantly over and over messing up, just to think of, of how much frustration God must have felt towards his people, and yet he's, his action was still to find a way to lead them to grace. Yes. I yes. think that's, I think having that knowledge from the Old Testament helps to see it in an even bigger perspective. Absolutely, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you now. And if you want to, I'm going to be in the back. Come talk to me. All right. If you're not sure about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you think maybe there's something you've done that's so big, so bad, so nasty, there's no way God could forgive you. Come talk to me, okay? Uh, let's get that burden off your shoulders. You don't have to live in this a cloud of guilt and shame. You don't have to. Unless you enjoy it. I mean, if you want to live that way, it's okay. It's your choice. But if you want to know the love of God and the grace of God, then I want you to come talk to me, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the way you've spoken truth and grace to your people, through your people. And Lord, we get to sing songs now that praise you for being the answer, being the safe place for loving us and protecting us so that we do not have to live in the judgment of our own sins, the judgments of our own foolish decisions. Thank you that you rescue us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, prepare our hearts to worship now. In Jesus' name, amen.